0: Welcome to Moving Panels One Shot. Let's have a nerdy little conversation. Today we are going to talk about, we're about a week away from when this episode will be released from the theatrical release, and it is just going to be a theatrical release of the, is it the Legend of Shang-Chi or is it just Shang-Chi? Shang-Chi and the
1: Legend of the Ten Rings, I think.
0: That's it. It's Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings. I wanted to put the legend first, the legend of (laughs) Shang-Chi and the Ten Rings. So, Shang-Chi and the legend of the Ten Rings. uh, We've gotten two trailers prior to this, which is a lot more than we can say for the next Spider-Man movie. (laughs) But we've gotten two trailers out of this, uh, and joining me today to kind of give you a little bit of a history lesson, a background, if you will, of Shang-Chi, since he is a lesser-known character, I have my good friend Chad. Welcome to the show, Chad. How's it going, Larry? It is good. I'm excited about this one. Uh, I will admit, I did not know a lot about Shang-Chi prior to this, other than, and I don't know if you remember this, so when uh, Avi Arad was in charge of Marvel Studios in the 90s, early 2000s, this was supposed to be a movie back
1: then. Jackie Chan was being looked at for it. Yeah, no, I remember that. Yeah,
0: and it got put on hold when they were going through their whole change and uh and now he's back. And so let's give you a little bit of background. So Shang-Chi, the character was created by writer Steve Inglehart and artist Jim Starlin. Uh Inglehart would actually later go on to work more f- for Malibu Comics and he would create pretty much their universe. <laughs> he actually had a character Nightman that was turned into a syndicated TV show in the 90s. Do you remember Nightman? No, I do not. Oh, you need to look that one up. <laughs> I remembered it loosely, and then uh, I looked it up, and I just watched like the the opening of it, uh-huh. and I went, "Wow, <laughs> like this is this is Sci-Fi Channel low budget '90s right here." Awesome. And then Jim Starlin, uh, probably more famous uh, in his other creations, uh, you can thank him for Gamora, you can thank him for Drax, and you can thank him for Thanos.
1: Yeah. I I also uh, kind of liked how this is a cool tie in in the sense that this one comes full circle. Most of our properties kind of come from, you know, pure old golden age comic books kind of stuff. Uh, and now are made into movies whereas this was a comic book inspired by movies not a specific yeah. movie character but you know the explosion of kung fu stuff in the early seventies and this is a direct response to that by by Marvel and uh, but I'm sure we'll get into that.
0: Well and, and again as and well I mean we can go ahead and get into it. I do want to <laughs> mention though Jim Starlin going back to Jim Starlin created Thanos, then he leaves Marvel for DC where he really just creates Thanos again because he created Mongol. Right. A funny Great thing, artist, but yes. though. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, but yeah, Shang-Chi was pretty much a response. He he was almost created out of spite uh, because Marvel had wanted to acquire the rights to co- the show Kung Fu.
1: Right, which was being made by Warner Brothers, who yes. owned DC. So, yeah. of course, they're not going to license it to <laughs> Marvel. Yeah.
0: No, so, yeah, so they... <laughs> So they decide to do their own Kung Fu character, and they create Shang-Chi, and then they draw him, especially when you look back at the 70s run, they draw him to look like Bruce Lee. Yeah, oh yeah. I mean, he well, looks exactly it, like Bruce Lee.
1: It, it is, you know, very soon after, um, oh good grief, the posthumous movie that Bruce Lee the dra- The famous dragon one. Uh, why am I losing enter my the mind? There we go. Like okay. Enter the Dragon <laughs> had just come out. Wow, that just totally escaped me. Enter the Dragon had just come out, and so uh, you know, Kung Fu was everything. So, uh, and of if- and of course, there's the legend that Bruce Lee was supposed to be the main character in Kung Fu that David Carradine mm-hmm. plays. Yada yada yada. So, uh, so you have all that going on, and Marvel felt like they needed to do this, and uh, it's a one off. It's not he was never meant to be like a lasting character and it's actually pretty impressive that it becomes a i mean you wouldn't call him a main stable character but he has a oh, no. long run uh of his own comic
0: like i said i didn't really know a lot about the character i was familiar with the name but yeah you do some research on this and you go well dang this guy's kind of just popped up everywhere but uh, but I mean
1: he had his own run, Master of Kung Fu oh, yeah, yeah. ran for a hundred and nine episodes or series or something. I mean it it was a fairly long run of comics, and that's after it began. Uh, you know, as a special edition. So
0: yeah, so he debuted a special Marvel edition was the name of the comic. Mm-hmm. It was the f- number fifteen back in December of nineteen seventy three. Uh, but like Chad's saying, they would eventually rename it and call it the Deadly Hands of Kung Fu. And then eventually, it becomes the hands of Shang Chi, master of kung fu. Yeah. So
1: You know, real short, concise titles. You know. Yeah.
0: <laughs> but w- which is funny because that was actually the title of the issue for the special Marvel edition. Like the title of that issue was right. Shang Chi, master of kung fu. Right, right, right. But for those of you who don't know, Shang Chi, Shang Chi, not actually a superhero. He's just a master of the martial arts, master of kung fu he was trained from pretty much birth to become the greatest fighter the world has ever seen
1: a living weapon yeah so, a sorry. living <laughs> weapon is what
0: what they let him known as pretty much he he's unmatched in his uh kung fu ability but he was also born uh, in kind of his you know <laughs> your heroes have to have some horrible part to their origin he was born to carry the cruelest curse in mankind's memory as they stated in the comic yeah uh because his father was the most infamous villain fu manchu
1: yep so uh this is a problematic origin story uh, (laughs) on multiple levels so this is a spinoff from uh novelist sax romer's licensed property Fu Manchu so this goes back to I think the 30s I didn't do a super deep dive on the novels Mm. but it was a pop thing for arguably 40 plus years by the time that this uh, is acquired by Marvel uh, apparently it was only acquired. There's not a lot of research out there. It's not, a, it's not easy to find like what the terms of the contract were or any of that kind of stuff, yeah. the licensing. But, uh, apparently it was both sides thought this was going to be a pretty short run. They were going to do this one little story about the son of Fu Manchu and it would be over and, uh, you know, everything wrapped up. But people liked the character uh, that Marvel created, so they had to drop Fu Manchu and Retcon as happens a lot in comics. Uh, you know his origin story and uh, it wasn't actually Fu Manchu. it was uh, you know this other character and you know, all this sort of stuff. So
0: yeah, they lose the the license with Fu Manchu, which pretty much there was no chance of getting it back. And then once there was no chance of getting him, this is one of the reasons why a lot of people don't know who Shang-Chi is, because once they weren't allowed to get the license back to Fu Manchu, that also pretty much prevented them from reprinting the stories of Shang-Chi. Yeah, because they can't use that character at all. So they did, I actually put this down, it wasn't though until 2010 that they actually retconned and changed his father so you're talking, you know, 40 years yeah. before they would actually change his father. Um, but I I'd want to go back to Fu Manchu. So uh, a lot of people, of course, would probably think of the Fu Manchu mustache. But <laughs> do understand, for those of you who may not be familiar with Fu Manchu, this was a very racist character.
1: Yeah, it's just the evil stereotype of Chinese culture in the early 20th century.
0: Well, it was during the Red Scare. And so, yeah, that, it, that played a big factor into it.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So it's it, it's all of the worst of uh, you know how uh, American culture in particular treated uh, Chinese immigrants and Chinese culture in general, and it, it's not uh, super great. Like even no. it it does not age well at all.
0: In the first issue, the MI six agent that Shang Chi meets up with and the one who sh- tells him his father is evil allows Shang Chi to realize, you know, mm-hmm. hey, I gotta actually fight against my father. He actually calls Fu Manchu in that issue, calls him the Yellow Devil and the Inhuman Yellow Fiend. Yeah, I and mean, even
1: and and who even, who even to that point, like reading that the those issues. Uh, Shang-Chi himself is colored like a cartoonish yellow. Like, yes. I mean, almost Simpsons yellow. It's, it's, it doesn't age well.
0: Uh, no, it doesn't. So. Thankfully,
1: the story is a little bit better than the uh, racist content uh, and time it was created in. But
0: And, and then throughout the years, uh, we would see Shang-Chi team up with the other kind of martial artist characters like Iron Fist. Uh, the Daughters of the Dragon, right? You know, characters like that. Uh, he kind of faded away in the 80s because, like we were just talking about, the Kung Fu trend had kind of faded right. out. So Kung Fu's trend's fading out. Lo- they lose the Fu Manchu license, so Shang-Chi just kind of fades off into the background. And he, I think he pops up a little bit here and there, but he doesn't really become a main character again until, like I mentioned, 2010, Where he actually becomes one of the secret Avengers. Well,
1: he does. He is included in little runs all over the place. Like, he 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 never goes away. Yeah. Uh, And he's virtually in every team you can name. Like, he gets passed around really well. You could tell that writers at Marvel kinda of held a special place for him for so for whatever reason. Uh he is a member of almost every team you can think of, with the exception of the X-Men and the Fantastic Four.
0: He worked with the X-Men. He worked work Yeah, with the X-Men. well
1: with Wolverine in particular yeah. and uh uh he helps track down uh Phoenix at one point because she's put up the psionic block and nobody can find her and I so I will very slightly disagree with you when you described him as just, you know, a regular human. So, I I think uh, just him being in this world, it's not wholly believable that you could just raise a kid to be a fighter on the equal of all of these superheroes, which, you know, you have people like Ares in one uh, episode, or one issue, describes him as... As, you know, one of, you know, a handful of mortals throughout time, he could count that, uh, you know, we're on par with the gods and all this kind of stuff. Yeah. So, uh, but he, they use the device of Chi as this, like, mysticism that gives him some superhuman powers Yeah.
0: Uh, and he can fully control his chi yeah
1: and and there's actually some really cool episodes about that but uh, i keep saying episodes uh issues that (laughs) that use that uh device but he yeah he is fully in control of his chi and it allows him to do some some pretty superhuman things uh both just like strength speed wise uh it has since kind of been retconned but he
0: teleports he can duplicate himself.
1: Yeah, yep. And yeah. So, so you have a few powers where you're like, okay, and then they just kind of let him go, and you, you never yeah. see those things again. Uh, but, you know, a mental master. Uh, but I, I brought that up because of what I was just talking about when he's interacting with the X-Men. He's the only hero that can find... Uh, um gene gray because he can sense her energy and uh you know on the chi plane kind of thing so they do use a little bit of mysticism with him but he's obviously not uh, a master of the mystical arts uh, like dr strange or or you know anywhere close to that level but uh but he's not exactly you know batman where he's totally limited to his humanity
0: well, and I think they, again, when they retconned it to give him a different dad, his dad, who, and I don't know if I'm pronouncing this right, was Zing Su. Zing mm. uh, Su was actually supposed to be like an immortal right, a wizard or warlock of some sort. So, you know, that does give him, like his blood does carry some form of mysticism, right. some form of, of power. Other than um, human. Yeah. And of course, I do think that it's that Zensu uh, storyline that is going to be more what this movie follows. And I'm only saying that because the Zensu had was the leader of a of a group called the Five Weapons Society, and then eventually, Shang Chi overthrows his father, and he gains control of the Five Weapons Society. And so okay. I'm, I'm loosely, loosely tying that into what potentially could happen in this movie, yeah. With the fact that we have seen Shang Chi's at least going to gain control of some of the power rings. So what, it's according to
1: how closely they follow the books, because he actually masters through the use of chi. He masters nine of the ten rings' power. uh independently of having the rings in the comics so there he can do several of those things using this chi device um but that aside uh i i kind of think that some of it's going to pretty closely um mirror the the fu manchu storyline that original book really is a pretty good read even though You know, it's obviously dated in the sense that they they weren't as worried about subtle storytelling as we are today. And so, you know, a a quick synopsis of it is this kid who's been raised to be the living weapon by his father's entire life thinks that his father's a good guy, gets sent on a mission by his father to kill, you know, the evilest man alive that's been foiling his father his whole life kind of thing murders an old man in his sleep after a a short internal ethical battle with himself uh and then the 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 ms6 agent that you were just talking about uh corners him on his way out and is you know remorseful and what what have you done why have you done this all this kind of stuff and uh shang Chi then questions him and is like why would you you know defend this evil man kind of stuff and and uh, the MS 6 agent blows up at him, and he's like, "You want to talk about evil? We've been fighting your father, our, you know, our whole lives, and mm-hmm. yeah, all this kind of stuff." And so, starts telling him all all of the stories about what Fu Manchu's really been up to. And like uh, the Mandarin, he is a uh, an individual who's on a quest for world domination. He thinks he's the only person who can right the wrongs of the world, kind of thing, and uh, and has talked himself into that. So uh shang chi goes to his mom who i'll talk a little bit of a parallel about this later is a an american woman uh he goes to his mom and another part that's not super pc by today's standards she's just a gold digger like yeah. uh she is she just was like yeah well uh i married your father for power i never loved him he's a horrible human yeah. and uh <laughs> and so uh it's so, you could be pretty critical of of uh, how women were used in this particular book, and uh, but she does say, you know, that he is all of the things that uh, that he was told previously. So then, Shang Chi goes and confronts his father, and probably some of the best writing of the book is uh, is Fu Manchu defending himself at that point. Yeah. Uh, that
0: that like, you which is see... always a great villain. Yeah, the villain. Yeah. He turns when the it villain around. Truly, yeah, truly believes that what he is doing is for the good. Yep. And if you can write that well, it makes a great villain.
1: Yeah, but he, he gives this monologue about, like, when have people have free will, you see what they do. They go to war. They destroy one another. They ruin the environment. Like, all this kind of stuff. And you're mm-hmm. sitting there kind of like, I don't know.
0: I kind of get this guy a little bit. <laughs> like, <Yeah. laughs> but anyways. So, so uh, again, there's there's just kind of some background there about where this character comes from. Uh, obviously, the MCU version of him is going to kind of bring him to a new audience. Yeah. Um, obviously, we're already changing his father, uh, which, for a lot of us, we're enjoying this, that we finally get yep. the real Mandarin.
1: Yep. Uh, so, I, some people call it a retcon, but I, I don't. I think it was planned. There was the short film... Uh released after Iron Man three
2: mm-hmm.
1: that that gave you the real Mandarin's uh henchman hunting down uh you know this terrorist who was just an actor. Ben Kingsley's uh Kingsley's character. Yeah. So uh you you got that. So he was already kind of introduced and there are there's actually a lot of Uh, lead up to this already and in several other movies if you guys want to go out there and start looking stuff up so the emblem of the ten rings is used in in several sequences throughout other movies Uh, the only one that I can remember off the top of my head I should have written these down in my notes but I didn't is in Ant-Man when the bad guy is talking about that he's going to sell the yellow jacket He's got a room full of people that are potential buyers. Well, one of the dudes, if you look real close, has the Ten Rings emblem tattooed Mm. on his neck. It's peeking out from under his collar. But there there are several other times that you see that uh, through the movies. So they've obviously been wanting to bring the Mandarin back and use him in in a bigger way. So I'm pretty excited about this. Um, Me and Laramie were talking before we started, and... I got into comics in the very early 90s, and Iron Man was one of my favorite properties. And so that was when the Mandarin was really brought back. Uh, He had been around since the 60s, but he was kind of this a little bit of a listless character that was used in several different runs, but never really had his arch enemy until... Uh, It was really cemented in the 90s as Iron Man, even though, I mean, that's how he was introduced, to be fair, you know, but uh, but that's where I I came to see it. So I'm looking forward to this movie a lot uh, because of that connection. I'm really happy to see the the Mandarin show up here.
0: Yeah, so I can't I can't help but, you know, mention the fact that there are at least with the villains, there's a lot of connection to Iron Man here. Yeah, because, yeah, we've got obviously the Mandarin and then we're going to get into another one in, in a, a little bit. I, I do want to point out real quick, you know, before we move on, let, let's I want to talk about uh, the guy that's playing Shang-Chi, uh, Simi. How do you pronounce it?
2: Liu. Simu
0: Lee or Simu Lu. I think it's. Yeah. Yeah. I apologize uh, for mispronouncing it. I get a kick out of the fact that he's, you know, he he's appeared in other things and a lot of it is comedy. Yeah. So I'm very, very curious to see his take on this character. Um, who's never really been seen as a comedian Comed- no. no character in the <laughs> comics. Not at all. Very serious. Um so yeah, very curious about that. I very recently were, was watching him on uh Netflix on the uh the Canadian show Kim's Convenience. Mm hmm. But yeah,
1: just a, well, and to your point, uh, his best friend in the in the movie is going to be played by Ronnie Chang, who is a stand up comedian. So <laughs> I, I think we are going to get a little more Ant Man ish. Uh, well, and then you, you know you got movie out of this
0: Aquafina as the yeah the I don't know sidekick the yeah whatever she's supposed to be. So so yeah, I, I get a kick out of that. So but let's get into more with the Mandarin. We've got the the. Ten power rings, which Mm -hmm. in the comics are actual rings that the Mandarin wears. Uh, The movie seems to be leaning more towards them being like bracelets, kind of, is what they seem to appear to be. I don't mind that because it kind of separates it from the Infinity Gauntlet. Yeah, and And I think that was definitely
1: the idea. But let me me back up real quick and give the Mandarin his due. He's a, a... Fame, uh, favorite character of mine uh, right. so he uh, is introduced in Tales of Suspense number 50 in October of 1964 he's a product of the great Stan Lee and an artist named Don Heck uh, and it's a uh, right off the bat pretty interesting run uh, he's a kid in China who, um, who like uh, Shang-Chi is the product of a Chinese father and an American mom uh, but he separates himself really quickly and becomes a pseudo dictator of his own little area of China because he finds a spaceship. Yeah. And... <laughs> and, uh... Which is where I was getting into. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh... Yeah. So
0: I-, I like, like I said, I like that they're doing the bracelet thing because it does make it more alien looking. Yep.
1: Well, it makes it kind of specific alien if you think about it because these aliens are dragons.
0: Yes, they are dragons. So. The and, uh, alien the race of a
1: dragon, you would kind of think, you know, yeah. maybe a little bigger than a human finger.
0: <laughs> yeah. So the, the alien race is called the Makulan. I couldn't actually find how Marvel expects you to pronounce that, but it's uh, M-A-K-U-L-A-N. Uh, so I'm pronouncing it Makulan. Uh, yeah, the planet is, m- is Maclu 4 I think yeah. it is. Yeah, so I would think it would be Makulan. Macu- Mac- uh, but yeah. Alien race of dragons, pretty much, and that's important to mention because if you've yep. paid, you have paid close attention to the trailer. Uh, apparently, Shang Chi is going to fight an underwater dragon because it and, does and look like have, he's underwater.
1: You also have a couple of scenes that are clearly in the past, where you have you know ancient Chinese armies fighting one another, and if you look in the sky, there seem to be some dragons. And yeah. uh, so it, I think it's going to get. Uh, that is definitely going to get tied in.
0: Which, going back to our connection with Iron Man, yeah, can't help but point out that one of another one of Iron Man's big villainous Worlds. characters yeah. is is a giant dragon named Fin Fang Foom. Yeah. So could we get Fin Fang Foom out of this?
1: Well, Fin Fang Foom is awakened by well after many other people that. That's a whole other comic run. He was actually introduced for the first time in 1961. He predates the Mandarin and is used all over the place. Like He is definitely just this strange, independent, weird character that they bring up when they need something... Uh, Asian and fantastic and so he, he gets used until the 90s when it gets solidified in exactly what you're talking about so uh, uh, we get the story of the Mandarin waking up Fin Fang Foom and they're using one another and no one and the Mandarin in particular doesn't realize this at first uh, but the uh, the dragons because it's a plural there's actually more than one of them still uh, are using the Mandarin to uh, to take over the world, which was what they originally came here to do, apparently. Uh, yeah. And then the Mandarin has to uh, join forces with War Machine and Iron Man to defeat uh, Fen-Fang-Foom. And then they have an on-again, off-again relationship ever since then. So,
0: Yeah, because when, when the Mandarin discovers the crashed spaceship and it's, oh, I should have written it down. The dragon inside of it is a cool Vox, mm-hmm. I think,
1: and and he's dead.
0: Yeah. Um. Well, I th- he's dying. Yeah. Because he does warn the Mandarin about the rings. Because you end up finding out, not only do the rings have power, but they are apparently contain the souls of past warriors. Of- and,
1: and they're the propulsion of the ship. Like it's this whole thing. Like so. Yeah. I, I, yeah. Uh, but they're they're really powerful. Uh, yeah. So, you know, as we kind of get into the rings, like, this is almost Thanos light. Like, this is Infinity Stone-ish power. Maybe not yeah. on a cosmic level like that, but...
0: So, yeah. So then, of course, the Mandarin says, well, hey, you know, I can get all this power uh, from these rings. I'm going to take it. I'm going to leave you to die. And then he... Not only was he already evil, but apparently the rings corrupt him more because, like Chad said, those aliens were not the nicest of people. So those souls inside of the rings are like um, almost almost like possessing him, like pretty much they drive him to be more power hungry, more greedy. Do we want to get into to what the rings do? Because maybe we're going to see that in the movie.
1: Yeah, I, so, yeah, I think especially since they're maintaining ten rings, and if you look at the emblem, the the circle of circles as they overlap, mm-hmm. like there's, I, I think they clearly are still using the motif of each ring possesses a specific power, uh, yeah, kind of thing. So
0: they get very specific with some of, these. yeah, yeah, they do.
1: So uh, we'll, <laughs> let's run
0: through them really quick. So the, here are the ten powers of the rings. So we got ice, mm-hmm. electricity, fire, uh, psychic energy.
1: That one's called the Liar, which is kind of cool.
0: Yeah. Then we got a laser. One of them's just a laser. Yeah. We've got one that's a disintegration beam.
1: Which is also the only one that has like a time limit. All these other powers are virtually infinite, but that one he can only use it once and it takes like 20 minutes to recharge. And this is written in the original, like when the Mandarin gets the rings. It's a panel uh, (laughs) in the book that tells you all of, like breaks down these funny powers.
0: Then we got one that can absorb all light. So I guess pretty much just creates an instant blackout. Yeah. We've got one that. Allows him to levitate objects, Mm -hmm. um, which they call the vortex. Uh, I didn't quite get that connection, but okay. Then you got an impact beam, which...
1: You basically can knock anybody down, regardless of... That's kind of how it's used in the books. It doesn't matter how strong, big, whatever the opponent is. like He can immediately knock someone down. Yeah, Which has got to be pretty uh, helpful in a fight.
0: Oh yeah. <laughs> and then finally the, the tenth one is a matter rearranger. Um, or, or which... as I
1: like to call it, a MacGuffin. A yeah. complete catch-all <laughs> that yeah. you can write anything in.
0: The power of Firestorm. That's what it is.
1: Even the the laser one you were talking about, that one gets broadened as his powers are revealed, you know, over the course of time. It becomes a do all light emitter so he can Mm -hmm. laser things with it. He can, uh, you know, illuminate something. He can use it to project holograms so he can try to fool you that, you know, maybe he's over here kind of thing. So even that gets broadened over time. Well,
0: and and I can't help, but go back to a previous episode, uh, where we talked about the greatest American hero and pretty much (laughs) it was, he had whatever power was needed for that episode
1: yep that's pretty much (laughs) what the 10 rings give you yeah but so to compare it directly to the trailers because i spent uh i don't know how you researched this but basically uh i watched the trailers over and over again and kind of picked apart the things that i could already tell so i would be like oh i know that character you know wrote that down real quick So there are three characters
0: i want to talk about so yeah so we'll
1: uh, you have stuff to to look at again later but um you see several of these powers used you get that kind of strange um very typical fighting scene in in Chinese movies of uh, of the like very beautiful levitating mm-hmm. uh, fight scene kind of thing Crouching Tiger Hidden Dragon which Michelle you
0: know. Yeoh is in this movie <laughs> yeah. so yeah
1: so just on a total sidebar, is she in any way, shape, or form retaining the character she already has played in the MCU?
0: Who did she already play in the MCU?
1: She was one of the Reaver captains uh in uh Guardians 2.
0: Oh.
1: Yeah. I totally so, forgot
0: about that.
1: I'm very curious. Is, is that gonna is she going to somehow be that character in this? uh particular movie. So was she on Earth you know, four hundred years ago and fought the, the ancient Mandarin? Like uh well I
0: don't know. Yeah. And here here we say this. Now let let's be reminded, although this what I'm about to say goes from TV to the MCU. Alfrey Woodard has played two different characters technically in the MCU. Mm-hmm. She was the villain in Luke Cage, but then she also played that mom in, yeah, that's true. Iron Man. Uh, uh, yeah. Uh, was it Iron Man was or was it? it Civil War?
1: Yes, or, you're right. Captain yeah. America Civil War. You're right. Yeah.
0: So, I mean, it has happened before. Um, so maybe maybe they are treating the character on in Guardians of the Galaxy maybe as a throwaway character. That didn't yeah. really matter. Because, again, this is a big thing. Uh, and we can, uh, you know, I, you may want to talk some more about the rings, but I want to m- mention this again. This movie is doing what Black Panther did. You know, we're we're getting an Asian-led, Asian starring, you know, superhero movie. Yes. And it's one of the reasons why, and I'll go ahead and bring this this character up. Benedict Wong, who plays Wong from Doctor Strange, you've seen him in the trailer. And I don't know if that's going to be just a one quick little thing, but I saw an interview with Benedict Juan where he said he was honored to be in this movie because yeah. it is an Asian-led yeah. cast and it is, you know, the first Asian superhero movie.
1: That can't just be a, a one line. I mean, he's kind of a character fa- or a fan favorite a little bit. Oh like yeah, that, that's a fun character. Oh yeah. So hope hopefully he's not just. You know, there because he made a phone call and wanted to be in the movie for a minute or something. But
0: well, do we want to get into that, or do you have more to talk about with the background? Do we now want to get into what we think is going to happen in the movie?
1: Well, let's take a couple of the characters. Uh, let's break down a few more characters from the comics first. Okay. So um, the other ones that I saw uh, in the in the trailer that I think are directly from the comics. Um, the first one I'd bring up is Death Dealer just because it's such an interesting looking character. So it's the um, the painted face assassin that you see in one of the training sequences where uh, where Shang-Chi is a little boy. And you, then you see him again later when he's clearly been captured and he, they're bringing him into the fortress off of that helicopter. He's kind of a background character. So I think that that's a character called Death Dealer, which is... Really, really a deep dive. This character was only in four episodes. Or four, I keep saying episodes today. What's up with that? It's uh, that's, four what this, that's what this podcast is about. <laughs> he, he was only in four issues of, uh, of the Shang-Chi run. And uh, he's a character. His real name is Li Lin And I actually know him because later on, Li Qinglin's son... Uh, Meets up and tries to kill Shang Chi in a in a um, I think it's in an Iron Man run as a side story late way later on, uh, and they kind of bring this character back up. He's a double agent. He's also an MI6 agent, mm-hmm. and that's you know he's actually reporting to um, to uh, Fu Manchu. Fu Manchu, not mm-hmm. to to MI6. So he's a, a double agent in the worst kind of way. And he's given up uh, to Shang Chi by his estranged sister, who is the head of MI6. So it's this like total double cross of a double cross and all this sort of yeah. stuff. So, which makes for good film. So I kind of wonder if any of that's going to come up because you do see Shang Chi's sister uh, has is cast and we see her in a few shots in the trailers. So she will also be in the movie. If I'm a betting man, though, like, moving forward, I think that this character is unfortunately going to get kind of the Taskmaster treatment, and I hate to make that reference, but I I don't think it's going to be anything like from the books.
0: But will he get treated better than I probably think Razor Fist is going to?
1: (laughs) Well, does Razor Fist get treated good in the comics? (laughs) Like... He's a. That's such a weird character. Yeah. Razor Fist has been killed by virtually everybody in the MCU at one point in time. Not MCU in the in the Marvel in the comics, comic yeah. universe. Uh, and he. It's never explained. That's my biggest problem with the Razor Fist character. He just pops up whenever somebody needs like a weird, 007 style villain. Uh, all of a sudden, the, the third... That's the other problem with him. There are three Razor Fists.
0: Yeah.
1: Uh, Two of them were the, brothers. Yeah. And yeah. one brother's killed. They were acting as Razor Fist at the same time. But
0: this should be the third one. Because I believe it was only the third one that has both hands as Razors.
1: So, no. The first okay. dude had both hands as Razors. Then you have the brothers who both... Both brothers, this is hard to follow. Lost <laughs> one hand each, and were each given one razor. Well, then when the older brother um, William. William Young is killed, no.
0: William Young was the first one. William Scott was the brother. Correct. It was William and Scott and Douglas, Douglas Scott. Scott is
1: yeah. the is the third one. You're right. Uh, yeah. So when he um, and and both of the first two are accidentally shot by their own people, uh, by the way. So William is not a good dude to be in uh, these particular gangs cuz your your friends will shoot you. Yeah. And uh but but I agree with you. I think that this is going to be the Douglas Scott. But to your original point, I don't think he's going to get any kind of backstory. No, uh, he's uh, he's, he's just going to be, be this throwaway un- guy.
0: I don't even think they're going to call him Razor Fist. I think he's just going to be this unknown assassin that is sent after Shang-Chi that just happens to have razors for hands. He fights Shang-Chi Shang-Chi defeats him. That's the end of Razor Fist.
1: So, go back and watch the trailers again, though, because he loses a hand during the course of the movie. Because when he fights Shang-Chi on the bus, he has a left hand and a razor, whatever, you know, lightsaber right right hand. And then later, he's got two of those things. So, at some point in the movie, I think Shang-Chi takes a hand from this dude. Uh, which should be kind of fun to see.
0: So it could be that. And see, this is where I get really worried about them pushing the, it's going to almost get too campy because, okay, so let me me explain my my thought about this. The non-MCU Punisher, the Mm -hmm. Thomas Jane Punisher. Okay, yeah. Thomas Jane's Punisher fights off several minor characters from the comics yeah leading up to facing off with John Travolta at the end i mean you got the russian like you know yeah. wrestling fan always think of kevin nash playing the russian even though he never says a thing you never actually know he's russian but you know that character if you know the comics he uh fights the drifter i can't remember his name but i'm worried that that's what's going to happen in this i'm worried it's going to be Henchman huh? after Henchman
1: I don't think so because I th- I think all of them work directly for the mandarin. I don't think we're going to see like assassins for hire kind of thing. Mm-hmm. I think that they all work for the mandarin directly because you see them in shots like um, I don't know if he's captured or if he's willingly returned home. I mean, that's not apparent in the trailer. But there's the scene where you see all of the villains, basically, w- with the exception of maybe uh, a dragon, uh, getting <laughs> off a helicopter and uh, and bringing him to his dad, kind of thing. So, um, so I don't know. I, I I see your point, but I'm hopeful that it's not going to be that kind of just rogues gallery. You know, as he goes through stuff. But I do want to talk about that I think Douglas Scott gives us a cool connection and the reason that they're using that character. Because Douglas Scott uh, was written into Madripoor later on. He's kind of a key figure as an enforcer for this local crime lord in Madripoor. Is this how they uh, tie in the (laughs) X-Men? Yeah, that'd be pretty awesome. (laughs) Yeah, he is not on good terms with Wolverine for sure. They do not like one another. But I mean, we just got introduced to Madripoor as kind of this hub for, you know, illicit things going on in in the world, and um, so I I am kind of wondering is is the Mandarin running most of his operation through Madripoor? He clearly has like some kind of mountain fortress that we're assuming is somewhere in China, that sort of thing. But uh, does he have ties to? Man, what's the bad, What's the like overarching big brother character in in uh, Captain America in the the series just now? The Falcon and Winter Soldier. You remember what I'm talking about? There's what is that character's name now, dude? I'm striking out. But this this um, I think this movie. Too. The reason I'm, I'm, thinking, I'm bringing this up, I'm thinking is, about
0: all the other connections. I'm going oh like gosh. I'm going. Okay, so. Now we're going to go into all these wild theories that people have had about the Disney Plus series. So now we're, this is the way we're going to bring in mutants. You know, there's a there's a connection with Razor Fist and Doctor Doom. So this is how yes. they're going to introduce Doctor Doom. Um, well, Doctor
1: Doom makes robots from the yeah, brother Fist. that died. Yeah. Yeah. He makes copies of that guy. So,
0: and, and then, but, so now let's try to find a way to get Mephisto in here and we'll have the trifecta. <laughs> so. But I do think this
1: movie is more tied in to the MCU at large than first glance. And I and I think we kind of talked about this very much in passing in the other one shot about, like, where is everything going mm-hmm. coming from the Disney Plus shows after Loki stopped. And I was with you at the time, just like, I don't know. I think this is going to just set some balls in motion, kind of thing. But I think, just like Black Panther, it's cool that you also made that reference. Just like Black Panther, I think this is way more tied in than it, we get at first glance. And I think Douglas Scott was kind of that linchpin that made me start thinking that as I did more and more research about this. So I. I don't know. I think we could see some cool characters drug in. Uh, He also is big enemies with Elektra. And we have rumors that Daredevil is going to make an appearance in this movie. That Charlie Cox Cox is Daredevil. Yeah. Okay, so.
0: so, I'm going to take a a big turn with that one now. Mm -hmm. So, with Charlie Cox being rumored to start entering the MCU, because there's also talk that he'll be in the next Spider-Man movie, too.
1: I think that's the, all but for sure. We we pretty yeah. much know that.
0: And then the fact that Shang-Chi, as we kind of stated at the beginning of this episode, uh, one of the more... Uh, I'm trying to think of what word to say, but the group that he's probably the most associated with is the Heroes for Hire. Yeah. Do we get Iron Fist? Do we get Luke Cage? And then if we do, is it still Mike Coulter as Luke Cage? And I don't want to say that it'll be the same guy playing iron fist
1: so i mean to be fair if you really follow the comic runs they gave you an out with that last season of iron fist because they find they're on the trail of another iron fist so i -hmm. think you can replace his name has even slipped my mind at this point yeah, Finn Jones as yep. as that actor. So I think you, I, I hope they keep Michael Colt here. That yeah, I liked his performance. I know I some too. people kind of thought it was a little cheesy, but I I I chalked that up more to the writing than I did his performance. I think his mm. his performance was earnest and heartfelt, and it, I think he did a great job. So let me get even weirder with that connection. I know this everybody kind of forgot this because Defenders got real weird and uh, didn't really care for it does daredevil find Finn fang foom Ooh, i'm kind of uh, excited like when i first ugh. started thinking about that i was like dude
0: i, I that think that's too very much to, i think that's too much to put in this movie i, I it, think that's too much to put in this movie are we if,
1: gonna get it hinted at in the future is that you know is that the
0: i think is, we'll get a hint of Finn fang foom i do think we'll get that
1: but i mean specifically is that the tie-in like are you know especially if they're if they filmed scenes with charlie cox which they're they're rumored to have been Hmm. uh you know for this production as well are we getting a continuation of the defenders run because if you remember that kind of ends with him waking up a dragon under new york city Hmm. i mean it plays pretty well into the into the mythos of the mandarin and the story that we're going down
0: but it goes against and i know you've you always say that Feige throws stuff out there to, but have they said that the Netflix universe is canon? No, but
1: they also just made a multiverse with Loki. So, true. yeah, very true. I mean, they, true. they literally can do anything they want to do now.
0: Yeah, very true. All right. Well, let's start. I'm not wrapping saying this, it's going to happen. Yeah. Let's, I'm let's just start wrapping excited. this up. I, I do want to mention, go back to, to Wong being in it. Uh, do we see the fact that Wong is in this? Do we see it tying into Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness?
1: Sure. I, absolutely. I, I think that's another easy tie-in. You make sure that um, that he's available for that. I, I think part of it is he, is Shang-Chi going to transfer into that movie? I don't mm-hmm. know. I think a lot of that will have to, um, will be in how much they lean into the Chi mystical aspect if they make chi an extension of the same like mystical magic that dr strange uses i think you can very easily kind of move him into that world and everything and they you know marvel has been really creative about how they um, you know, give us the characters and their powers and make things kind of linearly line up and, and make sense. So I think that totally works. And, and you bring him straight into that movie. I don't know. I haven't heard any rumors that, yeah. that that actor was being used in the filming or anything. So who knows?
0: But but you do think that Wong plays a bigger part than just being a contestant in this tournament?
1: I, I hope so. Okay, that, That's what I'll say. I hope so. Speaking of contestants, how can we not talk yeah. about that Abomination is apparently in this,
0: and even not just Abomination. You look at IMDb, it's Tim Roth. Yeah, so is Abomination going to talk? I have also seen things that people say, kind of like they did with the Hulk. They said that Abomination's face now more resembles Tim Roth's face. Yeah. And is you know, he, last time doing the
1: motion capture and that kind yeah. of stuff,
0: and then last time I had you on the show where we talked about where Loki was going we did mention this about abomination. Yeah. Like, is this going to be another reveal like black widow had of a thunderbolts? Yep. So, so
1: yeah. Ah. yeah, I think there's a lot of cool stuff coming in. So, um, also other tie-ins just real quickly, like in humans, you know, I mean, that obviously didn't really work out. Uh, you know, Marvel tried to kind of yeah. break out and do its own movie slash TV show and you know, all that sort of stuff but we've seen those characters and they're a big part of the mandarin mythos um so you could have something go on with that you also have stuff like uh the mandarin at one point in time is the lead of uh the organization known as the hand which Daredevil is always you know fighting mm-hmm. and, I mean, that and that was for defenders thing. yep uh, so yeah. uh, you know there's that tie in there's a whole lot of stuff that just underlies this movie that looks like it's a standalone kind of just on the sidelines. And I think it's going to be deeply tied into the overall story far more than, than any of us you know initially guessed.
0: Well, and going back to what I said at the very beginning where I was more, I mean, I, I have agreed with you, but where I was more tying it into the, the more modern story of the uh, five weapons society uh, very recently in the comics when Shang-Chi Took over the Five Weapons Society, even though his plan was he's going to make this evil organization a force for good. A lot of the other Marvel characters don't see it that way, and right. there's a very famous run where he has to fight Spider-Man. Yep. So who
1: who Shang Chi uh, trains actually? Yes. So, which is a really really fun run, by the way.
0: Yeah. So yeah, like like we said at the very beginning. I mean, although this is a character not a lot of people know about. He's almost a character that's just been moving around in the shadows, uh, yeah. throughout the the last so many books, it's yeah, crazy. throughout the last fifty years of comics, <laughs> uh, you know, very quietly, and now we're finally bringing him to the mainstream with the MCU and uh, getting his own movie. So it's I'm I'm excited. Yep. I, I haven't decided yet if this is going to be a run to the theater opening weekend, uh, or kind of let let it kind of simmer for a minute before I go see it. Uh, I will admit I was a little bummed that it's not gonna go straight to Disney Plus, even with the premium. But uh, I,
1: I'm on the other side of that. I, I yeah. really, I I'm hoping that we're gonna see, and you know, not to dive into the divisiveness of this topic, but you know, I I, I kind of hope that they get to where they at least give theatrical runs a month or something before they start popping up, so you get the chance to go and experience it the way big movies were meant to be experienced. But that's just maybe a nostalgic.
0: Yeah. But however uh, you plan on seeing it, uh, hopefully we gave you a little a little bit of uh, background to go into the movie and feel a little bit more prepared for what you're going to see. And the uh, comic background, which is what uh, we always try to make this show all about, is giving you that comic background, the mythos, the stories behind the story. Again, we're talking a character that's been around for 50 years, and so there's a lot behind him and... We hope we give you, gave you a little bit to go in uh, and kind of be able to see some stuff that you may not have been able to, to recognize without a little bit of comic knowledge. Uh, but thanks, Chad, for joining me on this. This was a fun one. Because like I said, it was a character I didn't know an awful lot about to begin with, so it was fun yeah. to do my research. And I know you enjoyed it as well.
1: Absolutely. All
0: right, for Moving Panels, I'm Laramie Wells, and I'll see you on the other side of the page.
2: Hello, movie viewers and fellow movie lovers. My name is Tim Williams, and I'm the creator and host of Movie Views Presents, the 80s flick flashback podcast. See, I love the 80s, and I have a great appreciation and nostalgic passion for the classic 80s flicks that birthed my love for movies and ultimately helped shape my childhood. On each episode, I'll discuss, with a special guest co-host, of course, a different film from the 1980s. We'll share memories, favorite characters, iconic scenes, and even share some behind the scenes stories along the way. We'll discuss famous blockbusters like Raiders of the Lost Ark, Coming to America, Ghostbusters, Dirty Dancing, Top Gun, Die Hard, and many, many more, as well as some other cult classics and even lesser known flicks we discovered on cable TV or the now defunct video rental stores. Remember those? No matter what 80s flick we choose to talk about, we'll always have a good time, so come and check us out. You can find the 80s Flick Flashback Podcast on major podcasting platforms like Apple Podcast, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Anchor, and more. Be sure to subscribe or follow so you don't miss a single episode. Once again, I'm Tim Williams, and I hope you'll join me for the next 80s Flick Flashback.